Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to another exciting night of NBA basketball. With the first pick, the Detroit Pistons select Cade Cunningham from Oklahoma State University. Chandler again. Oh, what a block by Max Seal! My goodness! The Pistons are digging in. They got the depth. They got the big men. They got the better basketball team. No doubt about it. There's Jaden playing the passing lane. Sky's a jam. Dynamite dunk and the crowd loves it. Pistons need a three and they have just under three seconds to do it. Here's Chauncey Phillips. Here it is. Pistons fans, welcome back to another edition of the Palace of Pistons podcast brought to you by Believe, a big post-trade deadline show for the Pistons as this Detroit Pistons team limps uh, into the All-Star break, tries to get out of jail heading into the All-Star break. We're going to talk about uh, a busy, busy week for the Pistons after making a lot of moves at the trade deadline. Things did not calm down for the Pistons. It's myself, Aaron Johnson, here hosting today and joining me, my good friend, Jasper Apollonia. Jasper, we've got uh, some interesting stuff to talk about surrounding the Detroit Pistons. But first off, my friend, how are you? Oh, I'm doing great, man. These last couple games have been a, a real gut punch or, well, I guess, punch to the face in this case. <laughs> um, it's It's been ugly, man. And I'm not just talking about my puns. Uh, it's, it's really been a gross couple of games for Detroit. Um, I can't even say up and down, just pretty down. Uh, and well, obviously the biggest stuff has come off of the court as well right now. Uh, but yeah, we got a lot to talk about. Uh, I was hoping we wouldn't have this particular subject to talk about, but no better place to get in it than with you, my friend. Yeah, we've, we've got a lot to get into. I do want to give a quick shout out to the Palace of Pistons Substack. Uh, please go over to palaceofpistons.com and subscribe to our weekly newsletter. We made the transition to Substack, oh, about a, a little over a month ago now. So uh, really need you guys to, to support us there and go sign up there. We'll have some great Pistons content in your mailbox on a weekly basis. I know Mike just put out a piece at the beginning of this week talking about the moves from the trade deadline, Simone Fontecchio, Quentin Grimes, Evan Fournier, talked about all those players, all those moves, uh, Killian Hayes as well, and in the multitude of moves that the Pistons made at the deadline. So go over and check that out. A really good piece by Mike. Again, subscribe there. Wherever you're listening to the show or watching us, please make sure to subscribe, leave us a review, leave a like. Tell us what you're thinking in the comments throughout the show if you're listening. You hear us talking about something, share your thoughts. We always love hearing what our listeners have to say. So let's get into it. Uh, before we do that, I do want to give a quick shout out to our sponsor this week, Bet Online. Bet Online continues to be your number one source for all of your basketball wagering needs, including pro and college hoops throughout the year. With up to the minute odds, stats, and trends, you can follow your favorite team's path to the playoffs with in game live betting contests and all the best basketball player props experience the world's best wagering platform has to offer 
from both your mobile and desktop devices. Head to Bet Online today to become part of the team, and remember to use our promo code Believe B L E A V for your fifty percent welcome bonus on your first deposit. Again, the promo code Believe B L E A V. Bet Online, where the game starts. Okay. So let's talk about the big storyline surrounding the Detroit Pistons last that started on Wednesday night, hours before the Pistons were set to play the Phoenix Suns. There was an altercation between Pistons forward center Isaiah Stewart and Phoenix Suns big man Drew Eubanks. According to Sham Sharania of The Athletic, the two got chest to chest in the player parking area. Prior to the game, words were exchanged. Stewart dropped his bags and punched Eubanks in the mouth area. Police are said to have broken up the exchange, escorted Stewart out of the arena. He was then given a citation and released from custody by the police shortly after. The Pistons would go on to get blown out by Phoenix, who was playing without Devin Booker, excuse me, was playing without Bradley Beal. And then Devin Booker got ejected five minutes into the game after picking up two technical fouls. There was also a point in the first quarter where Kevin Durant picked up two fouls and was off the court for an extended period of time. So uh, an eventful night for the Pistons where one of their players is taken into police custody before the game. And they then get blown out by a depleted Phoenix Suns team on the road to end Detroit's road trip heading into the all-star break. Let's start with the Stewart stuff first. I think as a team, you have eight wins going into the All-Star break. The last thing you should be worried about is interacting and getting into a a fight with an opposing team's player. And Isaiah Stewart, who's already had the national spotlight on him before for a similar incident in this case, if you go back to last season, Stewart was suspended by the NBA for multiple games for charging after LeBron James during a game between the Pistons and the Lakers. And now Stewart is likely staring down the barrel of a multi-game suspension again coming out of the All-Star break, which, oh, by the way, he's been out with an injury for the past two weeks, and the team was hoping to get him back after the All-Star break, a team that probably needs him out on the court. And now Stewart has that in jeopardy as well. There's a whole lot to talk about. There's a whole lot of different Uh, areas you can cover this from but all in all just a really disappointing situation for Stewart and the Pistons it's it's totally embarrassing and (laughs) I if as if the games weren't bad enough uh you know as you said they got blown out against the Suns minus two of their biggest stars it's not the first time that's happened this year uh Giannis Antetokounmpo was ejected uh for the Bucks a, a, a few months ago Pistons lost that game Same thing happened with Nikola Jokic when he received double technicals when they faced off against the Nuggets. The Pistons also lost that game, which is the the game that really broke me this season. That that one really, I don't know, did a number on my mental. Uh, But this is, yeah, like you said, just the worst possible timing for something like this. I suppose that it's happening right before All-Star Weekend when the NBA media is going to have plenty more to focus on other than Isaiah Stewart. Um, I suppose that's a silver lining, but totally embarrassing for the franchise. Uh, this is not the first time Stewart's gone out and done something like this. I'm not going to be one of those like internet blowhards who goes on to talk. Oh, he's a thug. Like he, 
he should be reprimanded. Like, no, it's not like that. But Isaiah Stewart, I think, has pretty clearly shown that he is a hothead. Uh, it's also not like the Phoenix Sunset, which was that, you know, the attack was totally unprovoked. Like, Isaiah Stewart just decided to punch Drew Eubanks in the face. That's complete, complete horsewash as well. Uh, but, yeah, this is just, just bad. And, like, I can't imagine it's going to be more than a couple games, three at the most, for Isaiah Stewart. But it's a bad time for this to happen when the Pistons rotations are just so out of whack right now and the team is just you know not gelling together the way we had hoped post trade deadline when i think last week we were feeling a little bit more optimistic about the pistons moving forward um and let's also not forget they're still without quentin grimes as well so this is this is just a bad look and isaiah stewart really does need to get his his temper under control in some of these circumstances, because like you said, this isn't the first time he's gone after somebody. I need, I need to see this footage. I need, there's, there's definitely a Phoenix Suns worker that wants to make 10 grand. I mean, TMZ would have that, that money in their account before the end of the day, if they could get their hands on that footage. I I'm very confident in saying that. And I I'd love to see this footage. Here's where I, I kind of disagree. I think Stewart could be staring down, a longer suspension. I think you have to, and the NBA showed that they're go they they will look at history of a player. They did it with Draymond Green earlier this year when they suspended him indefinitely, and he ended up missing 13 games. Isaiah Stewart was suspended two games last year for what he did during the Lakers game. There's something like this, something that's essentially unheard of in in the league's history, at least in recent years, of a guy punching in an, another team's player before the game and he already has a history of getting into altercations before i don't know he could be looking down a, a, a longer term suspension you know is he gonna get suspended the, the rest of the season no but point being every game he misses is a problem he's already been out with an injury and now he puts himself in jeopardy and he hurts his team by going out and doing this and i don't care that this stemmed from an issue from their game in November where Isaiah Stewart scored six points and didn't really have an impact in the game and Drew Eubanks had more points than or whatever. I don't, I don't care. I don't even remember what happened. I don't remember it being that serious at least. So there's no reason for this to have happened. And I think you have to be walking around and holding yourself to a higher standard considering you guys have won eight games. You haven't even been on the court and you're getting into an altercation on the road with another player. I think it's ridiculous and it's, it's just unacceptable. Yeah. I'm, I'm looking over, I'm remembering like the Brandon Ingram, Rajon Rondo, uh, Chris Paul altercation that happened on the court a few years ago. Ingram and Ingram got suspended four games for, for throwing punches. Uh, Rondo got suspended for three. Remember he also spit at Chris Paul. So my guess is now that you're saying that, yeah, it's, it's probably going to be like four, maybe five games for Isaiah Stewart. But like you said, yeah, this is just terrible timing. It's a terrible look. And the fact that, I mean, he got taken into, he was arrested. He was arrested for this. I think that that is just like, you have to be smarter than that. You have to be better than that. Like, this is just not something that you can have happen um, if you're Isaiah Stewart. And 
I don't know what Drew Eubanks did. I don't know what he said. My guess is we are going to get more of a complete story on this since the authorities were actually involved and the NBA is reviewing the footage, um, according to Shams Sharania, at least. So apparently Drew Eubanks, though, again, according to Shams, took that punch like a champ. Uh, he stood in there and barely flinched, apparently. So I do want to see this footage as well. Don't get me wrong. Like, uh, look, I'm like, look, it's embarrassing. It's it's terrible. It shouldn't happen. I would like to see it, however. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. And look, it's just when you're this bad, when you're fighting off being historically bad, the last thing you need is more attention, more nationalized, more publicity, more bad press. And that's exactly what this incident has brought out. And it seems like from the reporting, it's on Stewart. The the, the it, it started with Stewart, at least from what we've been, what's been made public so far. And, and the Pistons just don't need this type of bad press. But it's just another story to chalk up uh, to this disastrous season where everything that could go wrong has gone wrong. This is just another one of those, those stories with Detroit. I, I, anything else that you really want to hit on here, I feel like we, we're probably good to move on. Yeah, I will just say this. I think it's funny that, you know, the guys that have been looked at to be leaders for this team, I know Kate Cunningham is obviously one of them, but another one is supposed to be Isaiah Stewart. And the fact that, you know, he is supposed to be your on-court locker room leader as well, I just think, boy, that sure shows you a lot, does it? Like, can't keep his composure, um, you know, just makes the worst mistakes at the worst possible times. Doesn't that kind of tell you exactly of how this Pistons season has gone? Like, these are the leaders of your locker room. I, yeah. I wonder why they don't win many games. Yeah, it's not great. It's not great. And the off-the-court stuff has been an issue post-trade deadline. So is the on-the-court stuff. You know, Detroit's 1-3 and three since the trade deadline. It, it looked like they were starting to turn a corner because they had back-to-back -back wins on the road right before the deadline against Sacramento, and then the night of the trade deadline, they went out and beat Portland in a very, very highly entertaining game. But since then, they lost a close game to the Clippers where they gave it away in the second half, and then in back-to-back -back games against the Lakers and the Suns, got absolutely blown out, walked off the court, embarrassed, laughed at. It was flat-out disgusting basketball from the Pistons in these last two games. There's a lot of storylines to talk about from the post-trade deadline Pistons. One of the bigger ones is Monty Williams. And it's been a hot topic in the, the Twitter spaces that I posted during these last two games. By the way, it's been a lot of fun. I've never done them before prior to the Lakers game on Tuesday night, but we, we built out a, a, a good crowd, a good crowd shutout for the second half of the Suns game uh, on Wednesday night. So, Definitely will have to watch out for those in the future. Make sure you're following myself, A. Johnson, NBA on Spaces. Might do them from the Palace of Pistons account uh, as well. But the big storyline has been Monty Williams and, once again, his rotations. His rotations that make absolutely zero sense. Before the Lakers game on Tuesday night, Monty Williams came out and said, it's not realistic to play 11 to 12 guys a night. It's just not something that we can realistically do right now. Fast forward two hours. Within the first half, Monty Williams had used 12 guys. Fast forward to the end of the game. Evan Fournier, 
played 25 minutes in his entire season with the Knicks leading up to the trade. He played 39 total minutes. He was glued to the bench, only played in three games all season. And came out, played 25 minutes for the Pistons, soon as he was able to get on the court. Other guys that just walked in, Troy Brown, Jake Milton, also played. James Wiseman has gotten heavy, heavy minutes uh, the last few games as well. I know the Pistons have been a little bit shorthanded. Obviously, no Isaiah Stewart. They waived Danilo Gallinari. Uh, their other big man, Mike Muscala, for whatever reason, has been glued to the bench despite the few minutes that he gets. He plays well, and the Pistons go on run. Uh, I believe last night in the Phoenix game, he was a plus 16 in his minutes. I think he was the only Piston to be a plus. Everyone else was significantly minus besides Asar Thompson, who I think might have been a zero. I don't understand what Monty Williams is doing. He says one thing, and like he's done a lot this year, does the opposite of what he says he needs to do. Uh, it kind of reminds me of the Jaden Ivey stuff earlier in the season when he talked about needing to find ways to use Ivy more, needing to find ways to put the ball in his hands more, needing to find ways to play him more. And he would play 12 minutes against the Pelicans while Killian Hayes started and played 30 minutes. I don't get it. I'm at a point where there's no way to get around his line of thinking because he's saying one thing doing the exact opposite, and it's embarrassing. You would think for a team that just brought in six new players and needed to figure some things out, need to build some chemistry, whatnot, you wouldn't have bench guys playing more minutes than your starters in back-to-back games post-deadline. You'd think, okay, hey, look, we got a lot of new guys here that we're trying to integrate. Let's try to get through these next two, three games. I'm going to need to ride my starters, my guys that have been here, and figure out where to play some of these guys, get them integrated into our systems, have them learn our playbook, have them learn our defensive schemes. Instead, Evan Fournier is leading the team in bench minutes. He's playing more minutes than starters, and he's taking more shots than half the team. I just don't get it. And a lot of people are frustrated by it. I don't think I had a single person in our Twitter spaces knowing what was going on, under being able to understand the philosophy there. So I know I've gone on a little bit of a rant here. Jasper, I'll turn it over to you. What do you make of Imani Williams' rotations these last few games? They are baffling. And I was in that first Twitter space with you, Aaron. We, I think the whole group was just losing our minds at what was happening in that Lakers game. And I, I understand that Monty Williams tried to justify it by saying, oh, you know, we got, we got, our starters got killed in the first quarter, but whose fault is that? Like the lineup he threw out there was Kate Cunningham, Jaden Ivey, um, uh, I, uh, sorry, uh, Simone Fontecchio, Asar Thompson, and Jalen Duran. And that right there, like that is on you as a coach. Asar Thompson and Jalen Duran do not play well together. They do not. And the second that you started actually getting Asar out there to play true power forward minutes in that game, he had one of his better games of the season when he was put into a better position where he was running the floor and being able to be underneath the basket. You talk about Mike Muscala. It's baffling. He was not, by the way, plus 15 last night. He was plus 25 last night. Played 15 minutes. Um, the, the game before against the Lakers, he played less than five minutes, 
just plus six. So it's just like, why is this guy getting less time on the court than James Wiseman when they are plus 31 in under 20 minutes of him playing in these last two games? It just doesn't make sense. If you're results-based, if you know what I mean? Like, if that's what you're all about, Monty Williams talks about how you have to earn your playing time with him. If you're results-based, then why is Evan Fournier, who doesn't play good defense and is 8 of 21 from the floor since being in a Pistons uniform, playing nearly, what, 50 minutes the last two games? No, more than that. Yeah, he's played 50 minutes in the last two games combined. He's played more than Jaden Ivey and Kate Cunningham combined over those last two games. And I know Jaden Ivey was 0 of 6 last night. Evan Fournier was 4 of 12. It's not like he was lighting up the scoreboard having some fantastic game. And for a guy that talks about how you have to earn your minutes, how is Evan Fournier stepping into this role immediately when he hasn't done anything to earn these minutes this year? Last year, he was bad for the Knicks. This year, he hasn't done anything for the Knicks. He's not even been in their rotation. But Monty Williams has this obsession with certain types of role players, like role shooters. He did it with Alec Burks. He did it with Boyan Bogdanovich, where he just feels this need to shove the ball into their hands and let them do it. And I think a big part of that is because he doesn't really like coaching all that much. And he figures that if he has veterans out there, at least somebody's going to put up shots. Like Evan Fournier is going to put up shots. Alec Burks is going to put up shots. So whether they go in or not doesn't really matter so much because at least it looks like the Pistons are running an offense when those guys are out on the floor even if they're really not. And genuinely, the last two games, the Pistons' best offense has been transition. But Monty Williams doesn't run a transition offense. He goes slow. And it's frustrating now, too, over these last two games. You're starting to hear again, the Pistons are better without Cade Cunningham. Cade's a fraud. This and that. Can he and Jade and Ivy work together? It's, it's absurd. And it's because of the role that Monty Williams has put him in where he asks him to go out there and just pound the rock. And people act like that's a Cade problem. No, it's not. It's a Monty problem. And one of the reasons we know that is because Jaden Ivey, who plays fast with the ball in his hands, who makes transition plays, who does improvise, Monty Williams won't give him the ball. So a lot of these things that seem to be like, oh, it's the player's fault. It's not really the player's fault. It's Monty Williams' fault for putting them into those positions and it's beyond frustrating to see, you know, two non-defensive guys who are shot chuckers in Alec Burks and Boyo Bogdanovich getting shipped out of town. The Pistons basically playing two straight games that they won without those two guys playing outside of Alec Burks for, for the Sacramento game, winning those games, playing really well against the Clippers. And then the second Evan Fournier can start into your lineup, nope, we're not, not doing that anymore. We're playing Monty Williams, slow it down, pound the rock offense, get the ball to Evan Fournier, play James Wiseman. To, I mean, what is Wiseman even doing out on the floor? He hasn't been that bad. Like, let's, I think we can kind of agree he hasn't been like what we expect to see of James Wiseman, which is like an abject disaster. The bar is really low. The bar is so low. And the fact really? is you have Mike Muscala there. Yeah. Who is playing well? He's yeah. fitting the role. Your team yeah. plays better when he's out there. So it's just like, what are we doing here? Incremental progress from James Wiseman. I'm sorry. It doesn't matter. Are they really expecting to bring him back next year? Is this Real a quick. Troy Weaver thing? Wiseman in the Phoenix game played 
only 12 minutes. He played, I think, around 20 uh, in the Lakers game. So his minutes were cut down in the Phoenix game. But in those 12 minutes, one of three from the field, six personal fouls, a team worst minus 28. And Mike Muscala's plus yeah. 25 playing three minutes more than him. What and, are we doing here? And I'm sure that there are going to be some people that will say, look, Monty's got to figure out who plays well with who. He's got to get these guys out there. This was a chance before the break to go out and see what they can do. But it's like, okay, if that's the case, why did Simone Fontecchio only play 20 minutes against Phoenix when he was 7 of 15 from the field and had 18 points on good shooting numbers? Why don't you let Jaden Ivey shoot himself out of that 0 for 6 hole? Play 10 minutes. There's just, I don't see what the, the, the defense is for these decisions, you know, and, and look, I'm not, I'm not choosing sides here. Like Marcus Sasser, these last two games has been bad. And, and I think part of it is he's a young guard. He may not even be a point guard right now, but he's being asked to play that role. And the numbers have been bad after a really good Portland game. He just hasn't played as well. And he's out there taking bad shots, pulling up for three in transition like he's Pistons Contavious Caldwell Pope of years ago. Like, that's where there needs to be that accountability, especially with these young guys of, hey, you can't just go out there and chuck. That's where there needs to be that tough love. That's where there needs to be that strong hand that says, okay, look, I'm not just going to play you because we're bad. You have to prove and earn your minutes. And when you have Jaden Ivey and when you have Kate Cunningham and you bring in Shake Milton and you have all these other guys that can handle the ball and play in the second unit, whatnot, or if you, God forbid, staggered Cade Cunningham and Jaden Ivey, that's where you can maybe send a little bit of a wake-up call to, to a young guy like Sasser and say, look, you've got to earn these minutes. I want to play you, but I can't put you out there if you're just going to chuck and you're going to turn the ball over when you do decide to pass the ball. So, you know, well, Aaron, too, and, you know, you mentioned he went 0 of 9 in that Lakers game, and you talk about staggering minutes with Cade and Ivy. Jaden and Ivy played lead guard in that game for five minutes. And, like, that to me, when Marcus Sasser is 0 of 9 of the field, when you're struggling to run a coherent offense, that to me is just absolutely coaching mal practice and and it's Jaden ivy was playing okay he wasn't playing great um but then you also hear quotes out of out of detroit with kate cunningham saying like oh i have good and bad days with my leg like god no uh, it's just like why do you not take some of that pressure off of him well that's that's the thing we have to get to next right the kate cunningham Jaden ivy uh discussion going on right now to be fair They've not played well in these last two games. It's They're playing at a level that's unacceptable. In the last two games, Jaden Ivey has 17 points on, what's the number? Five of 22 from the field, four turnovers. Kate Cunningham in this last two games combined, 25 points, nine of 26 from the field, and five turnovers. Both of them have played very small number of minutes in between these two games especially Ivy against the Suns. Ivy only played under 15 minutes. Um, Not good, not acceptable play from them. Like, I'm all for giving them the reins and letting them be the guys right now, but they can't be the guys if this is going to become the new norm for their play. And 
I think it's hard when you're trying to integrate all these pieces and your these lineups are super, super random and guys are getting taken in and out after two minutes being on the court, like Mike Muscala. It's hard to build that chemistry and, and build a flow on the court. I get that, but th- their play has to be has to be better. And for Cade to come out and say that about his leg, like that's concerning on a multitude of levels. Pete Cunningham is eligible this offseason for the rookie extension, which can be a max contract worth well over $200 million, I believe. It's a concern because you kind of need to see Kate Cunningham come out of this all-star break and play with some fire over the last 30-plus games of the season. He, he needs to put up good numbers or you have to go into this offseason and either A, not agree to that extension with Kate Cunningham and start the narrative that, which you will get from the outside if that doesn't happen, whether it's true or not, that the Pistons might not, might not commit themselves to Cade Cunningham long-term, or you have to sign him to that extension, and if he's as inconsistent as he's been, you're risking committing a lot of money to a guy that might not pan out to be the player that everyone's had the hopes he was going to turn into. So very concerned with more so Cade Cunningham, I'd say over these last few games than I am with Jaden Ivey's struggles. I think Ivey played a better second half against the Lakers than just did not play well against Phoenix. But second half of the season, very, very important for those two. And they didn't give me a lot of confidence heading into the All-Star break. Yeah, it's no question. I mean, we can look, we can talk about Monty Williams rotations all night long, but like the fact is he's not playing guys like Evan Fournier 25 plus minutes a game if Kate Cunningham and Jaden Ivey are playing well that's I mean god I please I hope I hope I didn't just jinx it by saying that but like that's that's most likely the reality there and like of course the play has to be better um it's it's all interconnected right now and there definitely has to be worry about Cade's leg if he's saying stuff like that like good days and bad days like brother you got your leg worked on last year like it's been over a year since he had leg surgery. I understand that it takes time to come back from stuff like that. Like that's a that's a big, big, big thing. Um, especially basketball, is such a lower body centric sport. But it's definitely concerning to hear to hear something like that out of him as well. I that really was like, oh, okay. And then you also have you know Monty Williams talking about how they got to run a camp over the when I get back from the all-star break like they're playing like peewee soccer or something like trying to get the kids to understand the rules your offense isn't that hard Monty I don't know if you need a camp for it to be honest and the, the one of the biggest concerns that I've seen people have with Cade Cunningham is the the lack of athleticism the lack of burst the lack of an ability to get by a defender to finish at the rim and if he's having these leg issues, these knee issues, well, A, that's obviously contributing to it. But at, at 22 years old, 23 years old, that's really, really concerning when you're talking about a max contract extension. Like, he needs to be able to get by guys off the dribble. He needs to be able to finish at the rim and get off the ground. Like, he's not 35 getting towards the end of his career. He's 22 years old. So that's a a storyline that might start picking up a little bit more attention here after that that quote from, from Kate Cunningham. I 
I would hope we hear some more about that, but I also know we don't always get the most transparency with player injuries and player health and that player injuries have been an issue for Detroit in the past. So that's a storyline that I think we'll be monitoring, monitoring after the all-star break. Do the Pistons come out and say, look, with the season where it's at, Cade's going to play, but there's going to be rest nights. There's going to be no back-to-backs. There's going to be a minutes limit and he's going to be receiving treatment or he's going to be having a procedure done in the summer. Like what, what is that whole situation look like? And it feels like the Pistons might need to get out in front of that, especially if the plan is to extend Cade in the summer with, which I would imagine is probably the idea as that's what most teams have been doing in past years with the top picks in the draft. Yeah. I mean, look, I I'm a believer in Cade. And I, I still am, have always been. I've been a big fan of his game for a long time, but it is becoming harder for me to, you know, justify telling people that are like, trade him while his value is at the highest it's going to be, or, you know, he's going to be too injury prone, blah, blah, blah. It's it's becoming harder and harder for me to tell those people that they're insane. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's, I'm not, I'm not at that point. I still disagree with people who are at that point, but I'm able to understand their perspective a little bit better as more than just like snap reaction, hot takiness. I do think I can listen to an argument that there's something there, like with that, that injury history and the lack of explosive athleticism and and just the way that like this team uses him and, what you need from him like let's be honest like the overall play has been pretty positive uh over this last 20 games or so but like these last two games and hearing that quote and all the injuries he's had before this year as well it's definitely a concern for me yeah Kate's season averages uh, over the year 21 points 22 points seven and a half assists four rebounds 46 45, 44.6% from the field and 33.5% from the three-point line. The numbers are are fine. They're they're good, but it's the consistency. It's the nights where he has six turnovers and shoots four or 12 from the field. It's the nights where he doesn't play any sort of defense. That's where I think the concern is. And then you hear the the stuff with the knee as being an, as being an issue still. So, that's the storyline that I think is important for Detroit uh, post all-star break. As we kind of wrap up this post trade deadline talk, one note I will make about Quentin Grimes. He has not played yet for the Pistons. Uh, Monty Williams for whatever it's worth did say that uh, the injury for Grimes isn't something that they're concerned with long-term. They made the trade, you know, knowing what the situation was, he hasn't played since January 30th, and that was back when he was on the Knicks, obviously. So we don't have a timeline on when he's due back. Hopefully it's shortly after the All-Star break. Um, but again, no concrete timeline on what that looks like um, for him. So that is obviously maybe the biggest piece out of the deadline, unless it's Fontecchio. Uh, one of the bigger pieces from the deadline that hasn't been able to play yet for Detroit uh, and is going to have to get integrated to this team at some point this year. The Pistons haven't given any inclination that he's going to be out, you know, long-term for the rest of the season or anything. So 
I'd imagine we'll see him at some point post All-Star break. Uh, Jasper, is there anything else that you wanted to, to talk about with this team out of the All-Star break or heading into the All-Star break? Are we looking for anything specific uh, when they come out of it next week? Um, I Look, let's end the podcast on a positive. I think Simone Fontecchio has been a pretty solid pickup for Detroit. I, I think he's been kind of exactly what I expected him to be. He looks like a very solid backup you know, forward. Um, I'm seeing as here, like he doesn't ooze starter quality to me long-term, but he definitely, if the Pistons retain him, will be a piece moving forward. So I, I think that that is at very least one positive you can take out of it. Uh, two, you know, let's see what happens with the Wiseman minutes, but I think Mike Mascala also has been a really, really solid pickup for Detroit. So look, just these last two disastrous games aside, there have been some positives at least coming out of the trade deadline. And I think that that's something you could at least look to um, for when they get Quentin Grimes back as, as perhaps a positive. Um, again, we'll, we'll see how much uh, Evan don't Google him. Fournier continues to play after the break as well. Uh, and we will also be looking forward to see what happens with Isaiah Stewart and if we ever will get that uh, that that footage of the altercation, we never got it for the uh, what was it the Rockets Clippers altercation. We never got that the police presence. You remember that? Uh, great inside the NBA segment. Uh, I just I'll that never forget. All time. Oh oh no, Chris Paul! <laughs> like, Chris Paul's coming for me. Police! Uh, hilarious. Still gets me to this day. Uh, so hopefully we'll get the footage of this. We never got the footage of that. I always wanted it. Uh, but yeah, let's let's at least end with some, I guess, levity on this podcast because it's been a rough couple days. And uh, next time I join the spaces, Aaron, I want to be able to talk about something good for once. Yeah, I'm, I think the biggest storyline outside of Kate Cunningham and Jaden Ivey uh, out of the deadline is it's no secret that the Pistons have a ton of cap space uh, in the offseason, and they're going to have a lot of roster spots available, a lot of guys coming off the books at the end of the season. We expect Simone Fontecchio, who will be a restricted free agent, to be brought back. Uh, Quentin Grimes will be back at least uh, you know, with a year left on his deal, but he'll also be extension eligible uh, this summer as well. He was part of the Cade Cunningham draft class of 2021. But outside of that, do any of these guys that were brought in uh, at the deadline return? Do do they do enough uh, over these last 30 games to earn a roster spot? And that's Troy Brown, it's Shake Milton, it's Evan Fournier, it's uh, Evan, or excuse me, it's Malachi Flynn, and then Mike Muscala, who I think, even if he's your third center, should be back. I think he does a lot of good things, even if uh, he doesn't score a ton of points or shoot a lot of shots. It's it's easy to see in the numbers the type of impact he makes, uh, especially when you watch the game. You look at his plus minus, and then you watch the game, and it easily, easily correlates. But the Pistons are going to have a lot of roster spots available. They're going to have a ton of cap space to work with. There will be opportunity for these players to obviously get minutes under Monty Williams, but what do they do with those minutes? Do they earn a contract next year? I know some people want Troy Brown back. I know some people want Shake Milton back. And I'm sure there is a sect of people that want Evan Fournier back. So we'll see what happens with them post-deadline. Uh, but I think all eyes are going to be on Kate Cunningham and Jaden Ivey. This team has to find another gear 
out of the break. They can't come out the way that they went into it, or it is going to be a really, really hard last few months of the season for anyone that watches the Detroit Pistons play basketball or all and all of the Pistons in that organization because these last two games were probably the worst we've seen this team look all year. And in back-to-back games, that's a tough way to end it. Tough way to go into a break. But hopefully they come out of it better. Hopefully with a little bit more of an identity and chemistry with all of the new guys being integrated and hopefully having at least a practice or two under their belt. But we will see. Pistons had an all-star break. They're off until next week. Uh, Only a few Pistons involved in the all-star weekend festivities. Jaden Ivey and Jalen Duren headed to the NBA Rising Stars game. Noah Sark Thompson there for Detroit, but it will be the two sophomores representing the Pistons. Jasper, I think that about wraps it up for this week's show. Is there anything else you wanted to mention before we go? Nah, man. It, it's been a fun one, uh, even if the product on the court hasn't been <laughs> these last two games. I'm looking forward to us coming out of the All-Star break and hopefully having something a little bit more positive to talk about. At least no physical altercations this time. Right, right. Well, we'll probably be talking about what the Stewart suspension uh, looks like. I think we'll have news on that uh, before the start of the, the 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 second half of the season, even though it's not really a half of season. It's a little bit less than half a season, but that's how it's usually talked about in NBA circles. So we'll at least uh, know what Stewart's suspension looks like, assuming he is suspended. But that is going to do it. For this week's edition of the Palace of Pistons podcast, before you go, before you sign off, uh, please go over to palaceofpistons.com. Subscribe to our weekly newsletter. Would really, really appreciate that support there. Uh, Wherever you're watching from, leave a like, leave a comment, follow us, subscribe to us, leave us a rating. All of that stuff immensely helps us as we build out this Palace of Pistons brand. Uh, We really, really appreciate your support. We've had a lot of of great numbers, a lot of great uh, new followers people following us on, on on X. You can follow us at Palace Pistons. Follow myself at A. Johnson NBA. You can follow Jasper at Blade Cunningham. We're also on TikTok now, a new channel we're growing and publishing on each and every day. Follow us over there at Palace Pistons, posting a lot of great content there and some, some fun stuff as well. So hopefully you come and join us over there as well. That is going to do it for this week's edition of the Palace of Pistons podcast. Many thanks to our hosts, Believe and our sponsor, Bet Online. Thank you all so much for listening, and we'll see you guys next week here on the Palace of Pistons podcast. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.